But we're back. We are. And it feels great to be back. Um, we got a whole rundown. We're going to run down the rundown. But so much has happened in these last three weeks. I mean, we had schools out, which you know. Two kids are out, right? Yeah. Okay. The World Cup started. The NBA draft is tonight. We're recording this on Thursday. Penn State had a commit. Uh, the Penn State recruiting panic train is back up and running, which I am very happy about. You are, you are the conductor. As, yes. as you are laying on the track, strapped, rope down there. Uh, feel for you, but we are full speed ahead. The Philly Fanatic shot someone in the face with a hot dog the other day. You see that? <laughs> I did. And uh, you have a sinus infection. So yeah, fantastic. That's really the Kids are out of school and I'm sick. It's great. <laughs> I apologize bad. for my voice this week. Yeah. Uh, that's Sean Fitz. I'm Andrew Callian here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. As we said, great to be back with you. Uh, rundown here for today. It is great to be back. <laughs> yeah. We haven't done us in a while and it's just i've been thinking about all these things that we're going to say and i probably forget them by the time i actually get around to that segment but this is true but there's one segment you're not going to forget about this week because the stupid penn state power rankings are back with yes. their best edition ever best? recap i think well look at the smile on your face uh, i mean this is this is an audio you, medium you but gave me the topic and i was like oh hell yeah let's do it so to recap for those of you who might be new or forget what those have been like um well, we just admit outright this is content season this is you know late spring early summer or nothing is going on for college football. So let's not take it so seriously as we know all of you will. And, of course, we will with our jobs August through November, December. And we're not even in the dead period yet. Right. Yeah. So Super Penn State Power Rankings have covered, uh, what did we do, Penn State players who would make the best bouncers. You know, if you had to select from the Avengers who would make the best addition to Penn State's roster, Penn State assistants as Fortnite players, uh, Penn State, uh, no, Big Ten coaches most likely to have, have burner, burner accounts. accounts. That was last week. Nailed it. Our last it. episode. Yeah. Uh, with Brian Colangelo and the 76ers. So before we get to the stupid Penn State power rankings, do you want to tease the the t- Yeah, we, we yeah. can reveal the topic. All right. Yeah. Oh, recruiting cliches. Yes. I'm all in on this one. We yeah. are going to power rank. Usually the power rankings are your thing, but I'm all in on this one. Yeah. So. This was right up your wheelhouse. So we're going to we're gonna close with that. Uh, before then, we will actually get to real recruiting stuff also in your wheelhouse. Then we've got Ohio State Week on the site. Been writing about the Buckeyes, you know, talking with the writers, actually going a little bit further with them because this is the biggest game, certainly in the first half of the season, perhaps the entire season. We'll get to that. Um, Mailbag questions. And that's about it because there's a lot of recruiting stuff to cover. There is. Yeah. Oh, and also we are, as I said, recording this Thursday. The NBA draft is tonight. If Tony Carr was selected, congratulations. Uh, If not, still going to get a good – sign deal with the league or a shot or a tryout and if he gets cut I'd imagine the second team will pick him up he'll be somewhere yeah. um, big night for Penn State basketball we'll have we had that covered I don't know how to phrase that now because we're we're behind it but when people listen to this it will have been covered right we yeah. have plans to cover we've it. got plans to cover it okay. it'll it'll be if he doesn't get drafted there will be a 10 page uh, thread on our site about it so mm. go check that out yeah everyone guessing second guessing his decision so yes. that'll be fun it, what, either way we're gonna have a great time yeah so. it's gonna be fun yeah. um now i'm having a great time again conductor of the penn state panic train how are you doing there on the tracks why should we slow this train down even though penn state is i think number 21 number 22 in the 24 7 composite team rankings for recruiting well classes. here's the thing Pitt just got i think 47 commitments in a span of two days or something like that so everybody's panicking because penn state's not this is the rush that i talked about a couple of actually a couple of months ago I said mid-June, before the dead period, guys are going to go on these official visits. They're going to think it's the greatest thing ever, and you're just going to see a rush. Penn State got their rush in May, five commitments in five days, and things have been a little quiet since then. They hosted a big official visit uh, weekend. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago now, and Hakeem Beeman jumped on board. That's a big commitment for them on the defensive line. Let's start with Hakeem Beeman. I mean, he's okay. a... He's a 
6'3", 6'3 255-pound defensive lineman, going to be a defensive tackle. Um, he's going to grow into that, and, and he's a defensive end right now, and he's going to go to the opening and play as a defensive end. But again, it's like a guy like Damian Barber, very athletic guy as a defensive end. You, you put him inside, and he's you know sort of an exceptional athlete inside. So Penn State getting better in that regard. Sean Spencer likes him a lot. He's a guy that uh, you know had a good offer list. His recruitment was kind of weird in terms of committed to North Carolina right away, and then still showed interest. Visited a couple times uh, for games last season, even without an offer, and then sort of went on an offer spree in January and February. Penn State got him back on campus. Um, you know, sold him. I think he may still think he's going to play some defensive end. I don't see that happen. Um, but but Beeman's a guy that you've got a little bit of flexibility. You're only looking to take three, maybe four defensive linemen in this class. So get a little flexibility there. You've got, um, you know, David Ajabo is not going to come to Penn State. I moved my crystal ball to Michigan. Um, does not want to follow in Jason Always. You, you, you still got needs on the defensive line, and I've got it written down here. Um, you got to get Adisa Isaac back on campus. They expected him back on for the team camp. His team, for some reason, did not show up, even though they were registered. Um, so you, you want to get him back before the the dead period, uh, which starts on Sunday. Um, but I, I'm going to go back to this. You, you said it throughout April and May when they weren't getting commitments. They're fine. They're going to get there. And, and and I know you love the panic train, but just they're, just they're okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just because it bothers you. This is this is for the the, the content here on the podcast because right. it's more fun to hear me rile you up. But yeah. I, but I will put out this fire for you. Okay, because this I think is the simplest way to put it. There is one team in the top thirty six of the current rankings in the twenty four seven composite um, that has nine commitments. Yeah, it's Penn State. Oh wow. Okay, no one above them has fewer commitments yeah. and nowhere below them has fewer commitments. The, the next team that has nine commitments is ranked number 37. Right. So for the amount of players they still have, they're doing very well. Right. If they wanted to simply move up from where they are currently, again, on Thursday, number 21, they could do that. They could land take some kids yeah. instantly. Because you look two spots ahead of them is Minnesota, which has double the class right now with 18 commitments. You're looking at one four-star, 15 three-stars, and a couple of twos. Right. Whereas Penn State has a five-star commit, six four-stars, and a pair of three-stars, one of whom is the best Juco safety in the country. Right. Right and that's not saying there aren't holes in this right now. Uh, receiver recruiting is a little bit dicey right now. John Mechie, I think, is going to yes. go to Alabama. Um, he's been pretty much your top target for a year. Josh Gaddis swoops in, takes him away uh, to Alabama, which is an interesting fit. But uh, I just think that aside from that— Offensive line, you know the names that are out there. Xavier Trust committed to Georgia, which was a surprise to pretty much everybody. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've got Ja'Kai Moore out there. You've got Salim Worley. You've got Anthony Wiggins. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think it's just going to cycle back around. Recruiting is, is is ups and downs. This is a down right now, no doubt about it. But there, I think there's still a lot to like with Penn State. They're in a very good position. A lot of programs would like to be Penn State. And we talked about the stadium at last year. It's a down year in Pennsylvania yeah. or high school town. Yeah, local Local talent's going right. to you know eat into that, but I mean, you look at the the good things that are happening that you know some people like to forget. I mean, people thrive on these downtimes. I mean, it's amazing, and, and and we live on the internet, so negativity is is what it is. Everyone on the train right now thrives in these times. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> your train, but, yeah. Uh, Lance Dixon trending to Penn State. That's a good thing. This is probably you know one of the top three to five athletic linebackers in the country. Penn State's had him on campus. They had they had him back for the official visit. Michigan, Michigan. 
native. Uh, Wisconsin's right in there. Michigan has sort of faded out. Michigan State has sort of faded out. Penn State's put themselves in a great position. Um, they're expanding southward. John Dunmore was on for an official visit, a part of that group that came in in June. Uh, you know, they did. They had a fantastic visit with him and. I, you know, me, and you probably don't get this from the podcast, but I'm, I'm more of a pessimist in terms of using logic to say where these guys are going to go. John Dunmore, there's a shot that he goes to Penn State, no doubt. But, you know, that's going to be tough. He's a Florida guy that the big three schools want, other schools want down there. Um, it's just, it's really tough to get up there from South Florida, but he's got such a strong connection with Jay Wan Sider. If Jay Wan Sider was still in Florida, he'd probably be going to Florida. So, yeah, I, I, you know, me, the pessimist in me sees Dunmore, you know, possibly staying south, but Penn State, to be in the position that they're in for him right now is is really amazing when you think about it. I mean, just the challenges that you've got getting kids up from South Florida, they're going to have... Um, you know, Derek Hunter, who committed to Florida State yesterday, which I'm not really panicking about because I think he's still got a couple commitments left in him. Um, you know, Tyreek Stevenson's going to visit for the whiteout game. He's a, a, I think we have a number 11 overall in 24-7 sports. So Penn State trying to make a dent in Florida. You're seeing that happen. Uh, Carnell Thomas, LSU commit. This is not Florida, but it's also Jay Wan Sider. Yep. Carnell Thomas going to take an official visit for the Ohio State game. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of good things that are going on. And, and we can ride the panic train all we want. It's fun to talk about. And, you know, Penn State has not been one of those teams that have been getting the buzz in the last week and a half or two weeks. But I think it'll cycle back around to be okay. Yeah. Cardinal Thomas is interesting to me because, as you mentioned, long-time LSU commit, such a big prospect. He committed to Les Miles. I mean, yeah, that's like that's big, how long he's been. And he's from Baton Rouge, and he's yeah. going to end up going to LSU. And, you know, it's going to happen. But, yeah, he's going to, he's gonna, as he told 24-7 Sports, you know, keep his backup options. You look at LSU's schedule. I know you've looked at LSU's schedule. That's a meat grinder right there, and I'm not it sure is. that Orgeron's the guy long term, anyway. So. Right? Yeah, they they, are, they have the toughest schedule in the SEC, which again, you, you want to go to divisions. People talk about the Big Ten East, SEC West. They've got you know, I think a tougher slate than anyone in either conference this year. But that aside, Thompson's presence for the Ohio State game, the Whiteout game, I think is one of those baby steps where you know, again, they've had prospects who normally Dunmore included. You go, they would never be up here, right? And that's you know, in the process of getting commitments from those prospects, where you go, Penn State has no business being that deep in Louisiana or that deep in Florida, you need to have those steps along the way. These are those steps. And you need those guys to be seen. You want them, you yes. want them on campus. You want pictures of these guys at, at whiteouts, pictures of these guys at camp, because then it says to other recruits, hey, this guy's checking them out. Maybe they weren't on my list. Move them up. Uh, see what see what's going on up there. I think that's the the buzz from Cardell Thomas um, was, hey, I want to see what's going on at Penn State. I'm not necessarily going to go there, but I want to see what's happening. Jay Wansider is doing a really good job selling it, um, you know, using those relationships and everything like that. So I think that's the biggest thing is you want star power there. And if you bring in guys like Cardell Thomas, Tyreek Stevenson, you're probably not going to land them. But the more star power you can get there – we're not talking wasting official visits. That, that, that's something completely different. They're not going to waste an official visit um, by bringing Cardell Thomas in. They're not going to waste an official visit by bringing some of these Florida guys in because, you know, the way Penn State recruits, you don't use those 56 visits, which will, uh, again, reset in August. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you want to get these guys on campus as much as possible and, and be seen and be seen in that in that realm of Ohio State, be seen in that realm of Alabama where, you you know, you can get these kids to campus. And it's, it's really just 
how do you think trend. those guys found Penn State in the first place? Right. They were the kids now who will see them in picture, in the wideout environment, seeing these things and considering Penn State, which otherwise would kind of be on the periphery for them. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't doubt them or, or you know blame them because again it's all about geography as Penn State's you know dealing with right now as we talked about Pennsylvania being down um, and that, year for town. Yeah, and that's the thing with the official visits, and it's it's so funny to me. Official visits are going to be great everywhere. I mean, I, I was talking to someone, and I'm not going to name names, and this is not a Penn State really related story, but there was a kid a couple of weeks ago who was pretty much a silent commit to one school. And he went and visited another school for an official visit and ended up committing. Hey, this the, the, the first school says, hey, wh- what the hell, man? I mean, it, wh- what's going on? We were, you know, we, we thought we were going to get you. He's like, well, I went, I went to this official visit and it was amazing. Well, yeah, it was an official visit. The kid had visited that school before unofficially. Yeah, it was all right. You know, it was nothing special. The the ability to separate the official visit feeling from the regular feeling that you're going to feel on campus is something that we've yet to see because this is still sort of a trial period for this spring official, and we're still learning so much about what's going to happen. I can see that backfiring on some teams, you know, in September, uh, you know, we talked about the the potential Illinois, Illinois run. Well, Illinois is not going to be very good. I mean, right. I think they'll improve a couple of wins this year. But at the end of the day, you're going to go back and you're going to see a program that's, you know, it's a few steps behind. So October, November, uh, leading up to the signing period in December, you're, you're going to see these guys that have official visits saved, that have one or two trips left, going to go see other schools and, and probably going to end up flipping. Does the amount of decommitments go down? I think maybe a little bit because, you know, we, we talk so much about decommitments, but in, in the in the span of things, most first commitments stick. I mean, it, right. a lot of guys, um, you know, just, just settle on their first choice, not settle, but buy into their first choice, commit there, and stay committed there. You're, t- you're talking probably 70, 80 percent. So mm-hmm. most of them, uh, the decommitments obviously get more ink and everything like that. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how these are handled. And and you can second guess everything that happened. You can second guess bringing those guys in for the spring game when they have official visits left that they can use in the fall or they can use in the summer. You can question Penn State having that big official visit weekend in early June, giving them two weeks to set up official visits after that for right, right before the dead period. Because the dead period is going to be crazy because – these kids are going to have that last impression, um, you know, of that official visit or of that last minute unofficial, which is and so huge. It's paramount. Penn State had Jakai Moore, you know, arguably their top tackle uh, prospect on campus this week, and that's huge. I mean, getting him to campus this past week, and I, and I mentioned getting Adisa Isaac back on campus this weekend. If they can do that, which I'm not saying they, they've done that, getting him and getting that last shot, that parting shot, is going to be so big, and, and it's just a, a learning process. And I think that. The, the ops guys and the recruiting guys are, are are trying to figure out the best practice, and I don't know that there's a breath, best practice out there right just yet. Yeah, no, it's too early. We're yeah. kind of in the infancy of this new era with again the spring officials, but nonetheless, talking about guys that are looking to get on campus, they will have a few this weekend. Right. And Illinois prospects coming in, some in the vein of I think might have more of an outside shot for brother. A, a recent offer is in there. It's a, it's an, a quietly important weekend for them. Yeah, absolutely. Trevor Keegan, uh, I think top 100 or at least four star uh, offense lineman from Illinois. He's visited a couple times. He'll be in. Penn State was in his top six. Uh, I think that was since we've recorded last time. Yes. But 
he wants to take uh, fall officials, but I don't know that he's going to be in the situation where that's going to happen. This dead period from Sunday to uh, probably about two thirds of the way through July, I think it lasts a month. That's going to be a long month for this to fester. And that's going to be a long month for these guys to think about where they're at. It's going to give teams a chance to, to, to figure out where they're at on their board and sort of put some pressure on these guys because they know they can't visit anywhere. So Trevor Keegan's going to be on campus. Josiah Myaman um, uh, is a tight end that they offered after seeing him at Northern Illinois last week um, during one of their satellite camps. Of course, Michigan came along and offered the following day. He's going to visit Michigan, Purdue, and Penn State in a matter of three days. I like Penn State getting the last visit there, um, especially with his parents. So, I mean, it's it, it, it's really crazy how this is going to happen. And, and like I said, there's no best practice. There's no proven best practice to see how this is going to get. You want to get the last shot. You want to make the last impression. And, and we'll see if Penn State can do that. Okay. What else do we need to know? What else have we missed? Big uh, camp weekend. There's a camp on Friday, which I guess will be today when this is published. And then the whiteout camp on Saturday, which is the the last is sort of their Friday night lights type thing where you're, you you want your quality competition coming in for that Saturday. Then they're going to have a barbecue and a pool party. It's not the lash bash, but it's, you know, it's a good opportunity to get some of these guys in. Uh, Walter Rouse will be up. Big offensive tackle out of D.C. A bunch of kids from um, St. John's College in okay. D.C. Trey Williams, who I wrote about the other day, is coming in. Kalel Mullings is going to be in in the next couple of days. He's top uh, fifty linebacker out of Massachusetts. So a, a quiet, a quietly big weekend. And I'm going to start writing, you know, starting today, start writing more and more about guys that are coming in because there's a lot more visitors on that list, and it's uh, it's going to be, you know, sort of just that parting shot that we talked about. It's going right. to be interesting. Yeah, cool. Um, transitioning down to Ohio State week because this is what we've talked about. Unless there's anything more in your mind. Uh, no, just team camp was big, uh, huge, huge weekend for them. Uh, Julian Fleming balled out. Julian Fleming is freaking incredible, man. I mean, he's just, I just have it written here. Julian Fleming is a stud and I, and I only saw the, one of their games because I know what to expect because I've seen it before from him. Just a, a, a man among boys. You don't throw the term must get around, but man, Penn State. He, you want him more than anyone. I mean, more than anybody in the 2019 class, more than anybody in the 2020 class. I mean, we're talking about John Mechie. I think John Mechie's a fantastic prospect. And a, like I said, he's probably going to go to Alabama. You put him beside Julian Fleming. I mean, Fleming's a Justin Shorter type kid. I mean, he's not the same receiver, but in terms of talent, in terms of, of everything like that, I mean, you got to get this kid. I mean, this is this is where James Franklin's going to earn his money because everybody's going to be after him, including Josh Gaddis. So right. it's going to be uh, going to be an interesting recruitment. Uh, I think Penn State's in a, in, a, in a good spot right now, but yeah, it's going to be a, a really really fun recruitment to follow. <laughs> so fun is a is an operative word there. Marshawn Lloyd was up. I have a crystal ball in for for Penn. State in this situation, if he's your running back in the 2020 class, you're set. I mean, this kid is, uh, he looks better than most 2019 running backs. He's a, he's a brick, um, just a, a brick house, if you will, if you want to throw in the operative word in the middle there. I'd rather call him mini beast mode. I just, every time I read that name, yeah, I jump to. I've done that as well. Yeah. Too many times. Five, nine and a half, two ten, solid as they come. And this kid can run, uh, you know, he runs roots as a running back, like a receiver. Uh, a lot to like about this kid. DeMatha, one of the all-time programs on the East Coast, um, they think he can be an all-timer. I mean, he, wow. they've had some great running backs in the past. They think Marshawn Lloyd could be the best back to ever come out of DeMatha. And that's insane when you think that he only played, I think, three games last year because of a broken wrist. 
The kid's he's the real deal. Uh, staying in D.C. real quick, I, I can't tell you how impressed I was with Caleb Williams, 2021 quarterback. Penn State offered him back in, uh, I think, uh, either late January or early February. I was waiting for a plane for London, which I had to write that one up real quick. But the ball coming out of this kid's hand is so tough to describe because he, he looks like a college or a pro quarterback throwing the ball. He's that natural. Great spin on the ball. Very, very good release. And there were some good 2021 quarterbacks and some good 2020 quarterbacks in there. Caleb Williams, when you watch the ball come out of his hand, was just on a different level. So this is a guy that's a huge target for Penn State moving forward. He's a huge target for, you know, it's going to be everybody. Alabama offered the day after Penn State's camp. Um, man, it's going to be uh, going to be another fun one to follow. And if he, he I mean, he's, he's an elite level quarterback. I mean, he's a potential five-star if he keeps growing and he keeps developing the way. I mean, he's a potential five-star quarterback, which there aren't a ton of them in the region. So, right. And I think that's all I've got right now. Would, uh, I got to rest my voice up for for stupid power. Yeah, you, <laughs> you have been powering through twenty minutes on the dot. Well done, sir. Uh, would Ohio State offer Caleb Williams? I think they will. I okay. think everybody's going to offer him. I well, guess. speaking of Ohio State, then oh, you did it. Yeah, uh, segue. Um, big week. Uh, week five, of course, is, is what we're looking ahead to. Each of Penn State's first six opponents gets a week dedicated to them in the off season. We've rolled through Appalachian State, Pitt, Kent State, Illinois. Now on to the Buckeyes. Before we get to them, though, because I posted this in a poll earlier, and I was surprised at the results. This came in about almost 50-50 yes-no. The question was, will Penn State be tested before the Buckeyes roll in for the whiteout game? So you've got road games at Illinois Pitt, and then a gimme game with Kent State and an opener against Appalachian State. Everyone knows the history there, but they're still 24-point underdogs. Right, right. And I, and I think they will be tested. I think Pitt will, will give them more of a game than, than people want to admit. I define as like 10 points or, you know, win by 10 points or fewer or, of course, a loss. Yeah. I mean, the, the last time they went in there, they got shell-shocked and, and it happened. I don't see Pitt beating them, but at the same time, they, they, they can go into that sort of um, clock control thing that they did last year. I mean, Penn State... You know, beat them pretty bad last year, but the scoreline didn't really show it as bad as they beat them. So, you know, I think we see a similar situation there. Um, I don't know. I think we've talked about this before. Maybe two touchdown favorites or ten to yeah. ten to fourteen point favorites. Um, so, yeah, I think that that will be considered a test. And I'm, you know, most interested to see how they handle Friday night in Illinois. I mean, are you going to be able to get up for that? Are you going to be able to change your routines, change your practice schedules, your travel schedules, all that kind of stuff? Nine p.m. Yeah, Eastern time. I don't know if I'll be awake for that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And the kids will have been in bed. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's, it's also in Champagne, which is the tough part. Yeah, um, that's true. It's going to be like a high school atmosphere. Here's the thing. I think Penn State staff would love to have this team tested. A younger group that, you know, you had a lot of the guys on defense a year yeah, ago. testing's not a bad away. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's thing. You, yeah. you know, at Pitt, which is going to be primetime game, packed house. Two years ago, it was the largest live sporting event ever held in Pittsburgh. History. Okay. So I think they would love to have them be tested. I'm just not sure that they will be. I think I think Pitt is the most viable option among the four. Uh, again, partly due to the road atmosphere. It's your first road game of the year. You know, they got a better quarterback situation. Definitely a better defense coming into this year. Yeah. And last season, that's 33 to 14. So the question is, though, if they're not tested, you've got so much energy and emotion and excitement and anticipation of this game that I think as the t- team is currently constituted, even with a fifth-year guy, McSorley, a quarterback, and a couple of veterans on defense, that just might be a lot to handle for them. Because Ohio State, on the other hand, and this is part of why we look into these teams, they're going to go to TCU in Week 3, which I think is the exact kind of an appetizer because TCU is a great team in a good environment in its own right. But 
as a warm-up to a whiteout game, right. that's pretty good. Yeah. And they're going to need it with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. So I think offensively, they should be better than they were a year ago, provided Haskins is everything we've heard about. Um, I don't know how much you remember from his recruitment or what his profile was like, but basically everything I've read and heard is that he's a better passer than JT Barrett. They've got 90% of their receiving production coming back. And that's, again, just two guys who, who caught passes last year have left. Everyone else has returned. Right. J.K. Dobbins might be the best running back in the country. And you can count on him having the game of his life like we saw with Penn State yeah, last year. Right, right. So, so, you know, offensive line has some question marks, but the offense should be better. Is that – you know, again, is there anything that I've said that, that stands out more to you in that regard or it could be kind of a question mark leading into this game, which, again, you know, we don't know when it's going to be, but you have to figure 8 p.m. Yeah, you'd have to think. And it's going to be warm. I mean, it's going to be a different type of atmosphere if it's still warm at that point. So, I mean, it's uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything to add to that except that, you know, you're, you're going against Urban Meyer. The guy knows how to coach. He's been in that situation before. Um, you got to I mean, I like Penn State right now as it stands right now because mm-hmm. of the experience advantage of quarterback. And, you know, you don't typically think going into a season that Penn State's going to be a favorite. I think you put up uh, the other day that uh, the ESPN's FPI or whatever favors yeah, Penn State in 11, of, in 11 to 12 games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – it's okay to be optimistic, but yeah, you, you're going to want to you're going to want to test. I mean, to be honest with you, I, you don't want to admit. You know, a lot of our the uh, the podcast fans don't want to admit you don't want to be tested or you want to be tested by Pitt, but you know you kind of do, and that doesn't mean a four quarter test. I mean that that means right. you know maybe you're tied at halftime or something like that. You, you see some adversity half. on the road or something like that, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah. And that's what Iowa did a year ago. I mean, they had conversations at halftime of that game where James Franklin is telling them, listen, this happens every single year and afterward that you get a real scare early on, no matter how good you are. Right. Every championship team, no one rolls over everybody. So that served them well later on, I think, that season. Right. Um, I think Pitt could have the potential. If it doesn't... Served you know, Iowa well. As well. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Ohio Speaking State's of Ohio State, we... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ohio State's going to be a real problem. And I think it, it largely rests on Haskins, which is not anything new. The quarterback's important. Right. You know, this is why you come here, our expert football analyst. Right. Um, but but it really zeroes in for me on Penn State's defensive line in this game because they're going to have a new left tackle. You know, we've talked about the D tackles ad nauseum here and their ability to stop the run. Dobbins and Mike Weber are going to be a problem. Haskins is not as much of a runner as Barrett. But if they're able to win on the perimeter and kind of contain a lot of that zone read game and some of the things that, that Ohio State likes to do, which are very similar to what Penn State does, right. that bodes extremely well for Penn State. Yeah. Because Haskins might be able to beat you on the outside, but if you're able to pressure him in that environment and keep things close, like, I think Penn State will be better suited to attack this defense this year than they were a year ago on the road, even with Saquon Barkley, just given how talented that defensive line was. And Ohio State's going to have a whole new linebacking core. Yeah. And you take more shots at home. I mean, you, yeah. you don't want to say that, you know, that's sort of a cliche that you get conservative on the road, but you will take more shots at home. I mean, and, and that's, I think, something that we'll see from Ricky Ronnie this year. He's going to have a chance to coach, what, four or five games before that. Um, so... You know, I think that I think they'll be okay, and they'll uh, probably hit their stride by then. And you, you at least hope they will. Yeah, yeah it's a big week. In, in Ohio State's defense is much like Penn State's in that you're going to have a, a good, you know, group of corners, defensive ends. They're they're confident that their defensive line could be even better this season. I, I'm not as big on that potential, but you know, again, where Penn State would attack, I think there's a new safety there next to Jordan Fuller. They'll have opportunities, right? Um, and, and you know, it'll rest on the run game, but their offensive line improved. I like them, as I said, a little bit better to to score some more points but defensively you really wonder about the interior there with Kevin Gibbons Robert Windsor maybe having to play half the snaps which again you you only had about 40 39 38 percent from the starting D tackles a 
year ago, how does that affect them over four quarters? Right. Because Ohio State quietly averaged five yards a carry in Columbus last year, and that was a big reason why they sustained so many drives and wore out and saved defense. And, and that's where we're going to see the the guys that we expect to make those jumps. You know, they're going to have to make them by the, the offensive yes. line is going to have to make those jumps. The defensive ends, as talented as they are, they're going to have to prove it at some point. You, I mean, you, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't even know about the D tackles. Well, I'm talking like Fred Hanser and Antonio Shelton. Yeah, and you're going to want those guys to be there. But, you know, you saw the difference the defensive ends made in the 2016 game uh, against Ohio mm-hmm. State, what Garrett Sickles was able to do True. versus last year when Penn State had no pass rush and Ryan Buckholz got hurt. So the defensive ends are going to play such a big part in that, uh, disrupting Dwayne Haskins, I think, for for lack of a better term. you got to get to him and, and, and finish the job, which we're not telling you anything you don't know. But it's just going to be such a – a big test for this offensive line. We think they can be good. We know that they have potential. We have, we know that they have talent. They got to do it. I mean, that's the thing. Well, Nick Bost is an NFL defensive end right now. Right now. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So So, that's going to be huge. Um, Last note on Haskins though. I mean, what do you remember from, from his recruitment, his profile as a prospect? What would you expect? I mean, great thrower. Um, He he was down at the Under Armour game. Uh, He's just got, he's got a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, you know, he was, he was a Maryland guy from the start and, or excuse me, Ohio State came in and, and and did the great job recruiting him and Keandre Jones away from Maryland, which you know is probably a better fit for him anyway. But yeah, just phenomenally talented. Penn State was in on him really early. Um, they were in on a couple quarterbacks at that point. Um, you know, went it went a different direction, and I think that you know. Haskins might have, might have been the most talented guy that they they were in on from the start, but that's you know revisionist history right there. Yeah. So um, you know, it's just a, a phenomenally talented player. He's a guy that you look at, and we go into stereotypes here. But you thought you know it was a running guy. He was not a running quarterback. He was a guy that could sit back there, pick you apart. Very good arm, could make a lot of the throws, and you know had a had a very good head on his shoulders as well. So I I, I thought the world of him as a prospect. So mm-hmm. I mean, I just um, you know it's is a good fit for Ohio State if you're trying. To, re- to replace the, uh, a guy like Brax, uh, JT Barrett. Sorry, just fill in the fill <laughs> in took, the fill in the Ohio State quarterback. You here. took a full yeah. time machine there, thinking about Ugh. his recruitment, and then the, the quarterback at the time who was Braxton Miller, as right. that was going. Well, at least I didn't say Troy Smith or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Um, well, I'll, I'll close out the segment on uh, a little bit of a hot take here okay. because we just talked about this is their biggest game certainly in the first half of the season. I have my coffee here. Do you want to sip it like you're yeah, just a Kermit on myself? You're going to do the Kermit uh, hot take? No, not yet. That, that will be if I've been proven correctly. Um, this game deserves the hype because of the recent history between the programs, how good they are, the environment of the whiteout game, and the Big Ten race implications. Can we say game day is going to be there yet? Yeah, I mean, it, it's sure. got to be, right? Yeah. I haven't even looked Go at ahead. the schedule. It's, it's not even be. old prediction. It's just you know, right. common sense. Um, so, yeah, we can say it. But I would add that this might not. They're not, by the way. <laughs> don't, don't take that, <laughs> don't take that as me reporting that, we but it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. Did right. not report that. Go on. To, go back to your hot takeness. Yes. This this game is the most anticipated, I think, of the games this season. Yeah. It might not finish in their top two in, in terms of importance. Oh, that is hot takey. And it has everything to do with the fact that it's on September 29th. Okay. So there's still more than half the season to go. People felt that Penn State was out of the college football playoff race when they lost in Columbus. Okay. I think it's fair to say had they won at Michigan State and gone on, say, win Big Ten title, yeah. they're in the college football playoff. Yeah. So this is a month earlier than that. There's a lot of football still left to be played. You've got a road game at Michigan that I think, you know, if both teams are still in play and we expect them to be top 10, top 15 
teams this year. Yeah. Um, that's guaranteed to carry some postseason implications. And then Michigan State, too. Again, it's the follow-up to the big game that matters just as much because, again, as we saw last year, you know, that's a game that effectively knocked Penn State out. Right. And if they've got two losses at that point, you know, they're, they'd be coming off a bye week going into Michigan State, I believe. Right. Um, so if you waste a bye week, it just leaves this kind of, you know, poor – tenor and environment in this cloud around the program but then you still have really important games at indiana which is a trap game iowa after that and then wisconsin nope you know you're missing one in there that whole trip to ann arbor is uh yeah yeah the third yeah okay yeah michigan then wisconsin yeah that's i mean you can throw out indiana in terms of trap game and everything but to go ohio state michigan state indiana iowa michigan wisconsin Ooh. Oh, I boy. think I think the, probably the top two you're going to have in there. Michigan is, is guaranteed spot, and yes. probably Wisconsin or Michigan State. At the end, when we look back, says that was more critical to how the rest of the season unfolded for probably both Ohio State and Penn State. Right, and there's no rankings out. There's no playoff rankings out when Penn State plays Ohio State. Right. So I mean that's that that yeah. As so crazy as that is, I mean it's it's, it's a factor. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and right. it deserves all the hype that it gets. Yes. But let's not attach. To that hype, significance as it relates to the college football playoff race, or maybe even the Big Ten race, just yet. Right, man, that's that schedule. I just I'm, I'm I feel like I recruited my, you over to my side here from what became very you did hot because Michigan State I think is going to be very good. That can be a Big Ten title contender. Starters back, yeah, yeah, from a from a pretty good team. And Wisconsin is always good. Michigan, you're going on the road. You got pounded out there last time you you went out there. I mean, it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm getting scared back into my pessimistic self here. So, but no, I think Penn State's uh, you know as talented as any of those teams. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch. I mean, it's a good thing getting uh, getting Wisconsin, getting Michigan State, getting Ohio State at home is yeah. great. So you know that 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 that's your your counter to that. But yeah, Ohio State important. Maybe not just the uh, top two is. I think it's probably number. He's three. not justified. He's not the triple crown biggest yeah. game when we look back. Favorite, but we'll not. see. All right. Again, as I talked about last year, and I know you love this term, the uh, the seductor of certainty in the offseason where we know all these things are beautiful just art right there yeah and and how everything's going to unfold and then we get into the season and go we love the sport because it's unpredictable yep well we messed that one up so all right all right moving on uh mailbag then the stupid penn state power rankings where we're going to rank our favorite recruiting cliches perhaps the best segment of the offseason and it's not yeah it's a it's a window into the process which it's 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 a crazy process but yeah it's funny okay so. um you're not prepared for this question but i'm going to ask it anyway and we'll do a couple players here and there the question was posed on the board. If you took all the offensive players in Penn State's roster, made them defenders, and you took all the defenders and made them offensive players, how would you fill out a starting lineup for both units? What? Oh, man. I think it's kind of fun. We're not going to name 22 players. No. Sorry. Spoiler alert. But there are a couple players that I think are easy fits, not that you would want them playing against an Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State. Right. But just say, you got to play for a practice, you know, go ahead, Steven Gonzalez, play no tackle. Yeah, that's kind of a natural Easy. fit right there. Right, yeah. okay. Uh, Trace McSorley, former high school safety, cerebral guy, go Re- back and Recruited as a safety by a lot of players, which is something people don't want to admit when they talk about the star system is, hey, North Carolina wanted him as a safety. Yeah. I mean, think about that for a second. So only a couple schools wanted him as a, as a quarterback. So I got a D-lineman, Steven Gonzalez, is a nose tackle. Okay. McSorley in the back end is a safety. We're going to disqualify former running back Nick Scott then. Is that what's is that what's going to happen? Yeah. Let's open it up a little bit. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to fill out the defense here. All right. And you're going to help me out. Because my third guy is Jonathan Thomas. Okay. Former linebacker. We're going to put him back there. Okay. So we get three levels covered. I don't know that I would put him back there based on that experiment. Well, who else on the offensive side are we going to uh, – 
you're going to put a linebacker? Miles Sanders? I mean, I'm thinking body types here because you're Body types? Even... Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean... Not many of the tight ends kind of stick out. No. I mean, Dale and Dar- Darian was the only guy that you think that would go. He's already been flipped. So. Right, from wide out to linebacker. Yeah, I don't know. Um, let's see. Jonathan Holland was a pretty good D-end in high school. A lot of schools wanted him as a D-end. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know that Nick Bowers is, is athletic enough to play linebacker um, at the Big Ten level, but you know he's pretty athletic and an understated athlete. So. Give me KJ Hamler is my nickel. Okay, I think the other part about this too, and corners will tell you this: they would be much better suited as to play wide receiver than wideouts would be to play corner because they have to have the knowledge of the entire route tree right. and are gambling a lot as to where they expect the receivers to go based on this break. The board has been pitching Cam Sullivan Brown to safety since before he Ooh. got here. So wow. he's a solid He's a solid guy. Do you feel good about that? Yeah, I feel good about that. Okay, so starting safety. He can do it. He, he was Cam a good, good corner in high school. Okay, yeah. let's get one more corner then and give me a D-end who's not a former D-end. Uh, Hippenhammer could play corner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A D-end that's not a D-end? Yeah, some Jonathan Howell's off the table. Offensive player to play D-end. Uh... Well, Skinny or Michael Mennett would have been a guy because he was a heck of a defensive player in high school. Okay. He was a two-way guy. Um, and, and I haven't pitched Barton Simmons' uh, series of articles yet, but you look at his stuff on on offensive linemen, two-way guys have been very successful in the in, in terms of getting drafted in the long run. Um, and I meant to mention this with Lance Dixon. He's done a phenomenal series in terms of going back into recruiting rankings, seeing where the, the services missed, seeing where they hit and talking about the traits and the trends. sort of learning from it. Um, I, I think it's been a phenomenal series. Uh, Penn State, it, it, take a look at the linebacker one. It's been mentioned, Brandon Smith and, and Lance Dixon and Oren Burks, who Franklin recruited to, to Vanderbilt that nobody ever mentions. He was just drafted. But um, at, back off that pitch, yeah, I think uh, Michael Mena could, could fit in your defensive line. I think he was a phenomenal defensive player. Some schools wanted him on defense, which was crazy, but I think it was more of a recruiting pitch than anything, but he could do it. So Okay. Um, who, yeah, who, I mean, who would play lion for the defense? Michael Parsons? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that was easy. Yeah. Well was, done. That That's the note to go out on. All right. Good. Go. If we missed any, though, because I'm sure we did, uh, hit us up on Twitter, on yeah. the boards. Let us know who could play offense or defense. The other side. Love the second question. It's topical. Which freshmen have a better shot at playing with the new red shirt rule? Other than the obvious answer of everyone, because you can play them now up to four games and um, you know, I think it benefits. I think it benefits a lot of these guys because you can sort of put. You know, if you have a guy that goes down with a, a sprained ankle or a, you know something that keeps him out for a couple of weeks, you can sort of be a patchwork guy and you can put him in there. Right, it's great. My default answer because I answered this on the boards in our Q and A was everyone. But I think there are two groups of, of guys that are going to still be at a disadvantage. Let's say they have a tremendous training camp. And there might even be an injury or two ahead of them on the depth chart. If you're really buried at a position of great depth, I'm looking at defensive end, quarterback, parts of the offensive line. You're probably not going to see any snaps because, in my mind, these games really come down to Kent State, Appalachian State, maybe a Rutgers or Maryland. Right. So you can play up to four games. That's great. But I have a hard time seeing snaps not go to Sean Clifford or Tommy Stevens, who will be at the top next year on right. quarterback depth chart. So Will Levis probably not going to get a look. And then the other group of players, developmental guys, who need to add weight right. or lose weight in a significant manner. 
So some of the offensive line, which is true of offensive linemen stepping into big programs anywhere in the country. Right. So Bryce Eppner, uh, Nana Asiedu, Rashid Walker's in there. Two scrubs. And two scrubs. Yeah. So nothing against them personally. Right. But I think if you're going to, you'd have an easier time ruling out some guys from snaps than saying these players should definitely be able to play because everyone has a shot. Yeah. I think you can throw some of those guys in, that, like a Will Levis. You mentioned quarterback, and there's there's so many snaps um, that that should go to Clifford and should go to Stevens, but it, just get him getting him out on the field and seeing what it's like to take a snap in an atmosphere like that. I think can pay dividends and and. That's something that, you, you know, you would have loved for Sean Clifford to get some snaps last year and still keep his red shirt intact. Mm-hmm. And, I, and and to be honest with you, I, I think three is a better number than four, but that's neither here nor there. Or you could throw somebody out there and maybe they're not ready yet. And you see that right away. I mean, you, it, this is this is a complete hypothetical, but you throw um, Aeneas Hawkins out there and okay. you see that. You know, maybe he maybe he can be a guy that gets you, you know, six or eight snaps in a game or something like that. But maybe he's not ready. So you pull him back and you still have that red shirt. I think that's the biggest deal. Or even Jake Pinnaker. I mean, yeah. it, that's that's a guy that we expect to play regardless this year. But if he comes in, I mean, we've seen it. If he comes in and he doesn't have the, the accuracy, doesn't have the leg. Or one of the walk-ons pull him back. huge strike. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it, it, I think it benefits everybody. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're going to see Efner. I don't think you're going to see Scruggs. Those guys need to get bigger. It's be, it'd be like throwing, you know, Rob Martin out there last year. just not ready. Right. So, um, it's not a knock on them. It's, it's yeah. situational. And they've got a lot of guys now from previous classes. You just have so develop. much flexibility. And now Skellers that you know someone you'd want to get snaps just anyways but right. certainly so in, in those situations where the game's decided let's get him reps he's added a ton of weight formerly a developmental guy right now it's time for him to prove it yeah say one of these tight ends goes down I mean it'd be really hard to believe that one of these tight ends would get hurt but you can throw Zach Kuntz in there for a week or two and then Pull him back. You still got the shirt on. I mean, I, yeah. that's the part of the rule that I love is that you can you can sort of patch patch your roster up um, when when it needs it. And, right. You know it, whether whether or not you're going to talk about the blowouts or talk about key situations. I mean, you've just got so much more flexibility there, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see how staffs, not just Penn State staff, but staffs across the country, handle this. This is a side question. It's not a new additional mailbag, but this was asked on the boards. I addressed it, and I think it's. Um, you know, important to, to note here. There's no big advantage for any programs, I think, inherently with this rule. Sometimes there is if you're a program with bigger resources and you're given more freedom to, to use those. Obviously, in Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, what have you, um, get an advantage. Here, I think this plays to programs that are already developmental in nature. So programs like Penn State, where they're rotating third, fourth string guys in on a regular basis, have a schedule of snaps. This is going to play third series to sixth, seventh, etc. Right. The formula is going to stay the same. They're just going to add more numbers and players into that. Right. This isn't to say Penn State will be at an advantage. I think just the, the changes to their standard operating procedure are going to be very, very minimal, where that might not be the case of other programs. And ultimately, who benefits most will be the programs that adapt best. Yes. And I think Penn State has proven itself capable of adapting. Yeah, and you look at a guy like Jesse Lukita, and and he's on the fence in terms of does he have the, the, the football – is he ready to go from a football acumen standpoint? He's an athlete. He moves well, you know, all that kind of stuff. Change positions a couple times. Throw him out there in the first couple of weeks, and if he's got it, great, play him. You know, you save that red shirt and, you know, God forbid for an injury down the line or something mm-hmm. like that or, you know, something crazy. But, you know, if he can do it, keep him in there. If he can't, pull him back. It's, right. it's pretty, you know, it's it, it's not as simple as we're making it sound, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's, it's very beneficial, I think. Yeah. Jesse Lukita, like most Penn State players in the roster, one time recruits. <laughs> that was not as good of a segue. But... This, <laughs> 
yeah. it's kind of an, an underlying theme yeah. here. Like if you were to write a football players on this episode, yeah. it would be number one terrible. Yeah, trying transition. to get to four hundred fifty. It's very words good in. to be back. The yeah. content is good. The transitions are not. No, um, oh, but now you, form, you yeah. just feed into it. Like, All right, recruiting cliches. Is awesome. We have six. And, and well, I, we have five. We, I, I, I switched it back to five because I lumped one in with another one. But it, okay. it, this is, you know, if, I know some people don't like the power rankings, whatever, more power to you. Um, but this is sort of a window into the process, which is a fascinating process. And if you follow us at all, you, you understand that. So recruiting cliches everywhere from players to coaches to even parents we bring up here. Um, <laughs> no one is safe. No one is safe. And it, it's a it's a process. I've been doing this since 2006, and it's just it's a circus, no doubt about it, but we love it. We embrace it. It's fantastic. I mean, it's something that brings us – it's like 90s baseball. It brings us together. It's so good. All right, let's get this rolling. Uh, the number five cliche. QB dads. This is you know last week was Father's Day, and I was hoping Bud Elliott or something would do an expose on QB dads because it's it's the you know it's the one of the single craziest things about recruiting is that if, if you've got a son that's a quarterback, you're going to be his biggest supporter, and you're also going to be one of his biggest detriments. If you're a father in the recruiting process who interjects yourself in the recruiting process. And there's been a ton of them and, and they've been, they, there's been ones at Penn state. There's been ones everywhere. The QB dad is something that you bring up to a coach or you bring up to someone that covers recruiting and you go, Oh, I know that guy. I, he fits the profile. Um, you know, he's, he, he's the polo shirt at camps that's hovering over the team. He's I was a pain in the ass. He's a pain in the ass. Oh my gosh. And he's, and he's doing it out of love for his child, and he's doing it to make his, you know, his his child's opportunities better. And in the end, it ends up hurting your kid more than it ends up helping. And that's the thing. The most successful quarterbacks that I've seen, their fathers stand there and watch. Don't really say much. So, I mean, it. it you look at, and we're, we're going to get into Rick McSorley here. Rick McSorley is not a quarterback dad. Rick McSorley is a big supporter of his son. Rick McSorley is not walking into James Franklin's office and saying, I think you should do things like this. Or I think the the best quarterback story, and I'm not going to name names because this player just signed somewhere, but I was at a seven-on-seven tournament, and this insane person is walking up and down the sidelines yelling at the seven on seven coach and it's not a it's not a team it's not a high school team yelling at the seven on seven coach to get his son at safety because this other kid sucks and all that kind of stuff it's it's just insane so he walks up to me and starts talking to me naturally his kid is a talented kid he's a nice kid that i've talked to before he walks up to me and starts well he's a three-star well, shit. He's a three-star. Great. He's got a list of guys that are four-stars that are not as good as his son. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. This guy's not as – you know, this guy's not a quarterback. He's an athlete. He shouldn't be rated ahead of him. And I said, okay. I just not and shake my head and nod. This guy costs his son scholarship offers. I mean, you're talking about – Wait, so was this uh... – College football's like LeVar Ball. Yeah, sort of. Or LeVar. Yeah, yeah, and it's happened for years, and it's just crazy. The quarterback dad is the worst. Um, I'm trying to think. Ricky Town, uh, oh, he just transferred to Pitt, so this is going to sound bad, but Ricky Town's dad was all over the place and just interjecting himself into the process. And you know what? College coaches love talent. But they don't want to deal with this stuff, and and they'll drop you. I mean, the, the, and and they'll have no apologies about it whatsoever. They'll, you know, if you don't, if they don't want to deal with your dad, they'll drop you. It will cost your son scholarship offers. Quarterback dad number five in the recruiting recruiting cliches, and it's absolutely true. It's absolutely 
horrendous, but it's true. Oh, I love that so much. Because I think some people don't know how much it would take for you to go, this person is insane. Yeah. And you're being honest, but for the most part, would just kind of, you know. Streaming at a seven-on-seven coach during, a, you know, just a random pool play game. Yeah, that's insanity right Good there. Memories. Okay. So. Uh, insanity, you know, defined as doing the same thing, but expecting different results. Right. I think a lot of programs across the country are saying year after year, we're on the rise. And then the recruits are parroting that and saying, they're on the rise. Come aboard. We're doing things. Number four is reactions when player commits to program. They're on the rise. They're building something special. They're going to win a national championship. Uh, we've got another one here that's going to be a little bit separate. But they're on the rise. And I just keep thinking of Kentucky continually on the rise since 2013 when Mark Stoops was hired. Kentucky has gone 5-7, five 5-7, and 7-6, seven, 7-6 five and seven, seven and six, seven and six with losses in the Tax Slayer Bowl and the Music City Bowl. It's really because when you're in the basement of the SEC, there's yeah. nowhere to go. There's but. programs, and no disrespect to some of these programs, but can't rise. I mean, uh, when Kyle Flood was at Rutgers, they were on the rise. They were chopping. They were fencing the garden. They were doing all that stuff. Rutgers wasn't going anywhere. Come on. I just you, – you hear these things and it's great to be optimistic and you, it's great to hear a kid say they're going to win a national championship. But in reality, I mean there's what, 10 programs that can win a national championship, maybe a couple more than that. So it's just uh, – it's crazy. To, you hear it every year and the optimism is great. But – and sometimes it's true, right? Like you go back a couple of years for Penn State. Right. That's absolutely true. That's when you see this influx of a Penn State had the potential year. to be a national program. Right. Some of these guys. The framework was in place. So it's not right. always a lie, but man, is it a you, Like find a new way to say they're on the rise. They're on the rise. And it's just uh, – Kentucky is just the one that's, that jumps out to me just because they've been continually on the rise. And I even pulled up Mark Stoops' stats here and 5-7, and 5-7, and 7-6 and 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 in the SEC. It's, it's going to be tough. Um, another reaction here, academics are the most important part. Cool, man. Uh, nope. Academics are great. Everyone has academics. that You can go to any school in the country and get a great education if that's what you put into it. But you're not picking schools because of academics. You're picking playing time. You're picking a guy, you know, a team that can get you to the NFL. You know, if you go to the Ivy League, you're picking academics. But I mean, how many interviews are we doing for those guys? And more power to them. And I, you know, more people should go that route. But Man, it's uh, you're kind of fooling yourself. You say that academics are the biggest part, right? Because also, when you get in the program, the practice schedule is set. Yeah, like you are picking your classes around the practice schedule. Some majors that you might be invested in or interested in are entirely eliminated. So even when you come out of school, you might have the degree, but because of all the time and effort you spend into that program working to get to the NFL, it's largely empty. So we can get off into a whole different tangent about that. But if academics were first, you might not be playing football in the first place. There's great students everywhere. I mean, there's great students at programs. Penn State's got some phenomenal students. West Virginia's got some good students. Myron Roll went to Florida State, which you, you yeah. know, this is one of those program, programs you want to knock for academics and was a Rhodes Scholar. You get at, you get out of it what you put into it, and you're you're probably not picking a school because of because of academics. I'm sorry. I mean, and I, I feel horrible saying that because – these kids, some of those kids truly believe it, but at the end of the day, it's it's not it's not happening. Yeah. So keep the uh, keep this one in cliche. Sorry to Mark Stoops, by the way. I'll probably get an angry email about that one. So good. All right. Great. 
Um, <laughs> that's only good because you just had to tell us last episode that PJ Fleck follows you on Twitter. Uh, I did not mention Minnesota. I told you I was not mentioning Minnesota. Yeah, okay. but he does follow me on Twitter. Sean Fitz two four seven. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Uh, number three. We are now going to take a shout at the listener, likely listener, likely listener. Uh, decommitment responses or player goes elsewhere. We saw it with Xavier Truss. Um, you know, as a guy that Penn State targeted and wanted um, this week going to your going to uh, Georgia. Of course, the did we even want him things. And and sometimes this is true. You know, there, there are guys, when you offer 200 and some kids, there's there's a lot of non-takes out there. And that's but it's happen. really not, though. Because you're only responding is if there's a kid that you believe would help the program as a quality prospect. If, if you believe... And you're the, only responding if you're hurt. If right. If you're hurt, if they're good. Right. Exactly. And, you know, the, Xavier Trust went out, had a very rough Nike camp. His recruitment sort of got a lot quieter after that. Some, you know, some schools were spooked by that. You know, Penn State still wanted him, maybe wasn't pushing as hard as they were at one point, but they still would, would have taken him. A lot of these guys, if they're not going to be takes, you know that, you know, if you follow it on a level in which we follow it on, on Lives 24-7, if you follow it, you know which guys they're targeting, you know which guys they're going to take, and you know which guys they're not. Um, pulling the, did we even want him? Was he even a take? Um, oh, another good one. Uh, oh, he's going to Georgia. He got paid. He got paid. Yeah. So some of those responses. Just these fan rationalizations and throwing things out there, just a reflection of I'm hurt and let me lash out. Yeah. And then there's the the standby. And this is this is one thing. And sometimes I, I stand at my laptop and I read some of this stuff and I just scream uh, things about the reader that I'm not going to scream. <laughs> but the, the decommitment response, and this is the worst one of all time. The decommitment response is, I want guys who want to play for Penn State. I want guys that want to play for my school. Here's the thing about recruiting. Recruiting's job is to find the guys that don't want to play for your school and get them to play for your school. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there. You mentioned it earlier. Penn State could could, could be at 15 commits next week if they offered some of these right. uh, these guys. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there. Your job is not to find the low-hanging fruit, and we've seen that at Penn State. You know, Penn State did take a lot of guys that probably, you know, they, they, they could have had an opportunity to get somebody else, and, you know, they've paid for that. Not so much the Franklin staff. The Franklin staff has done a phenomenal job recruiting, but you want to get those guys that weren't coming to Penn State. Devin Ford was not coming to Penn State. He was going Clemson or Virginia Tech or somewhere south. Penn State put in the work. They did. They, they Saquon Barkley them. was a Rutgers commit. That's a little bit different. But you know, on, on the surface, right, right. Yeah, I mean that was a that that was a. But but I think Devin Ford's a better example here. You, you recruited him. You took him from being a, a top. You know, being in his top five or top six to your number one. Those are the guys you want to go after. The I want guys who want to play for Penn State is a lazy response. It's a um, and uh, I don't want to call it a loser response, but it's you know it's it's a response that you just is don't typical. understand. And you just don't understand what's what's going on in the process. And I know you're hurt, but your your pride is hurt by the guy that didn't want to play for your school. And you're you know these kids are not waving the pen, the pom poms and everything like that at your school. They're not like you. They're not they're not your you're the fan. They're the guy that's making the decision, and they're outside of this process, or excuse me, they're outside of this bubble, this fandom bubble for for much of the process. So. I think that's the that's the big thing. When you see a kid decommit, if you say, "I want the guys who want to play for Penn State," you're you're wrong because, because, because you will build make you will build a team of low hanging fruit that is uh, seventh or eighth in the Big Ten. Yeah, so this is like cathartic for you. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, it's event situation, and I love it. I hope people are still listening because this is this is a good one, this especially good after one. that. And I'm not even talking about facilities. Rain. So yeah. no, okay, anyway. number two. This is my favorite. It's not even close. You love it. It's the notes app. 
because yeah. it's used by every recruit and commit everywhere. I think it's efficient. It's a good idea, but man, has it become cliche. The notes app is for grocery lists and for recruiting, and that's it. That's the only yeah. reason people Phone use the notes here and there. there. Yeah. yeah. But it's uh, it, once you get into the notes app, tell me if you've heard these before. Beyond blessed to receive offer from you know, X University. Uh, respect my decision. No interviews. Usually followed by no interviews. Yes, no interviews. And then I'm 100% committed, but still open. But still, yes. Uh, here's my top eight. I'm still open to anybody else that wants to offer me. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm you know, we're, we're kind of making fun of this and poking holes in the recruiting process. And we're not These making fun of the shapes. kids. We're making no. fun of the process. Right. And to me, like, I'm not of the vein, you give your word, you're committed, et cetera, and then another school offers you that hadn't before that you shouldn't be able to go right. look elsewhere. Like, this is the one time in the entire college football process the players have the power, the ability to choose their And they should be selfish. To, yes, and should use that power. Because right. once you're in school, you Absolutely. sign that letter, you belong to these coaches, whatever they say goes, and you have nothing to do about it. Right. So, uh, use that power, commit where you like, decommit where you like. That being said... Man, I am looking forward to the new like like trend because right now it's notes app everywhere. It's notes app and it's edits and it's crazy on social. I mean, these, these kids are social media celebrities. They're gonna find out quick when they get to college that's that's not the lifestyle. Right. But I mean, it's just it's it's so crazy how far the process. I was thinking a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I think back to when I started and Joseph Barksdale, who played for LSU, I think he's in the NFL right now, offensive lineman sent me a friend request on Facebook and I called Pat Foley and I'm like, what do I do with this? Like ethically, our boss, can I accept, uh, you know, his friend request and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, and eventually it was like, Hey, I use Facebook to do my job. Now I use Twitter to do my job, to follow these guys, to get these guys to follow you back so you can have contact with them and do interviews and all that kind of stuff. It's so crazy how this, the the social media boom has, has elevated this process and changed this process. And I think that the social media, you know, Twitter, the fans following them on Twitter and all that, that sort of thing is the sort of thing that can go to your head and it can change the process. I mean, there, there are guys out there that have ended up at schools and and a lot of these times these guys end up flaming out and transferring all this that have ended up at schools because of the process, not because of what they're going through in the process, but because of how they handled themselves on, on social media, how they took away seeing what was best for them and changing it into what was best for everybody else. And I think that's the problem that I have with this, um, you know, on social media. And we've really gotten away from the notes app here, but it's it's really been a crazy situation. I mean, people want to, and you see it from recruits all the time, they want to say they're breaking Twitter. Nobody's ever broken, you know, nobody's ever shocked the world and broken Twitter. Um, the crystal ball has changed things because honestly, I've got a theory that the kids see who's leading in the crystal ball and they want to tell themselves, no, that's not, that's not who's leading. That's not who's, that's not who I want to give my consideration to, you know. And, well, now you just sound like the hurt fan who only wants players to commit to. I want guys that want to go to Penn want. State. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I want guys that want to go and, where I and, told them they're going to go. And in our board's defense, there's a lot less of that than there is at other competitors right. are, are the people that places we're on rival, the internet we're, we're rivals with yes okay so, thank you. <laughs> um but no it's just it's crazy how the process has changed and how how recruits have bought into it and there's nothing wrong you know it's being a kid it's being that that first slice of celebrity or whatnot and it's pretty cool to to experience but yeah it's changed and the process for a lot of guys and the notes app is is our biggest culprit okay one thing that has not changed throughout the years is signing day rolls around Every coach in the country is extremely happy with their haul. They've this got is, a lot of potential. This is number they one. filled their needs. I really like this class. 
we have, you know, just done everything we sought out to do. Yeah. If you played press conferences, signing day press conferences over one another, the opening statement is how much they love their You class. know what we should do now to think about it is bingo. Bingo? Yeah. Next next signing day, December, James gets to the podium. We're sitting there, not laptops, bingo cards. And as soon as we fill out and we get five in a row, stand up, let everyone know. Be a short game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, go on. You have more experience with this. No, thing. it's just the same thing over. Every coach loves their class. Every coach has the the hidden gems. I mean, you were unearthed when we were writing the the, the uh, excuse me the transfer stories for Rob Martin and Corey Bolds. We went back to the signing day transcripts about yes. how excited they were about these guys and. Everyone's a star, man. It's just uh, it, it, it's crazy. Signing day has I, I like it with the new December signing day more. Um, that's just a personal preference of mine. But to to see how far uh, you know how how a signing day press conference in 2018 is going to look compared to a signing day press conference in 2013, it's not that different. It's no, the same thing, no. and it's not Penn State. It's not a Penn State thing. It's everywhere. And I think and I did a little bit of research on this. There was an SB Nation story I think from 2013 about. About, you know, pulling a quote from every coach about how great this class was, and it just kept going on and on and on. Hysterical, man! It's a, it's a, it's a crazy process. I love it. I mean, I, I know that that you're sort of an outsider in this. I, you know, I, I love what I do because it's, it's not so much the same stories with different faces, but it's, it's the process that just keeps evolving and evolving, and it's just, it's, it's insane. It's a circus. It's insane. And I love it, and I love everybody that's listening to this uh, an hour in, us talking about recruiting cliches, and I love our message board, and I, I love all that stuff. It's a special kind of uh, – it's a special kind of special. I mean, that, that, that's the way it is. I think we cured you from your sinus infection. You I, are, like, so great. happy. You look awesome. This has been cathartic in the best way possible. Well, the, the, nar- the nostrils started flaring when I thought about quarterback dads. <laughs> so, yeah, that must have been it. Yeah, opened up a little space. It did, yeah. All oh, right. Well, this has been awesome. This uh, has been this a good was, one. This yeah. is good to be back. And we ran it down just in case you forgot because I think this segment has gone longer than expected. Uh, top five recruiting cliches. Number five was QB dads. Number four was programs. And, and players saying that they're on the rise, as you could tell with the new commitment class. reactions. Yeah, commitment reactions. Number three was fan responses to decommitments. Oh, I didn't want this guy anyway. We want people to play for you know Penn State. Uh, number two, the use of the notes app. Everyone's yeah. seen it on Twitter. Number one, every coach in the country is very happy. By the way, with their class. I'm terrified of the notes app now. When when Xavier Trust committed to Georgia the other day, I, I open. I was I was downstairs playing with my kids, and I opened it. On Twitter, and I saw a notes app, and and when I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm going fast, and I see a notes app, I heart, stop. Heart stops. I stop, and it and it's like, I mean, it's not necessarily a commitment, it's not necessarily a decommitment, but there's always the notes app is never something that you just gloss over. You you almost have to read it. It's crazy. Now I kind of wonder if there's ever been like a next level use of the notes app beyond recruitment. Like you have a recruiting guy who wanted to announce a decommitment from his marriage via the notes app. You think he would ever drop that? Like that's harsh. That's bad. Wow. But crazy, crazy stuff happens. You went zero like, to 60, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, something like, I don't know, like you're sleeping on the couch tonight and it's a notes app just left on the table. I've not gotten that Screenshot. one. Thank God. Yeah. No. Not yet, at least. I'm giving Eric a lot of good ideas here. <laughs> maybe not the first one, maybe, maybe the later ones. She shut us off when she heard power rankings. Anyway. Oh, very good. Anyway. Well, thank you for listening, Erica, mom and dad. Yeah, glad we could get a a big episode in here. We're over an hour. Um, I thought it was a good one. Yeah, I think we'll be back sooner rather than later um, than we were the last three-week break that we just took. 
and we'll have more to talk about. The panic train has slowed down just before we hit you roped down to the tracks as you look at us and explain with a big smile on your face that everything is going to be okay. Um, Aaron, uh, didn't pull out the Aaron Rodgers relax. So no, did I'll not. I'll save that for the dead period. Maybe next period. Yeah, yeah perfect. Next time. Cool. All, right. All right, looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us on the last 24-7 podcast. Remember, we are on iTunes. We are everywhere. Uh, please go on, rate us, um, give us any feedback on Twitter or whatnot. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us on the last 24-7 podcast. Thank you.